up, what up, what up? <laughs> Welcome to Light Trees and News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm so sorry. That's not the new intro of the show, but can you imagine if it was? What up, what up, what up? Would you still listen? I bet you would, because you're all very sweet. Uh, you should not, FYI, if I ever change the intro of the show to what up, what up, what up? Not only should you abandon me, cancel your memberships, you should send me angry hate mail, okay? That's the only time that's acceptable on the internet. Other than that, you have to behave yourselves. Hello, everyone. I am recording this episode early because, you know, weekend plans sort of blindsided me. I'm not going to have time to record the show this weekend. So I was like, you know what? As opposed to canceling the episode, let's just record her early on Friday. And I am sharing all of this with you as an excuse for when I inevitably miss some huge breaking news story. Say we go to war with another country, um, you know, something horrific happens and you're like, Allison, why did you not talk about X? Well, because I didn't fucking know it was going to happen, okay? Get off my dang back. So. That is why we're recording on Friday. I'm going to schedule it to post this weekend so you do have an episode this weekend. And I just want to say happy Halloween month to everyone slash Dune month. Halloween slash Dune. Are you all having a good Dune month? I'm having a good Dune month. I have my little ticket. I got it for the 21st. Thank you very much. Not the 22nd when it's going to open nationwide. The 21st. Very excited. I need Denis Villeneuve to knock off this talk about directing a Bond movie. You give me Dune part two and part three, maybe, before you go to Bond, Denis. What are you doing? He's such a little tease. You know, he like he spoke in front of the New York Film Festival and he was like, I would love. I'm not going to try to do a French accent because I, I respect France too much. But he was like, you know, maybe. I'll direct a Bond movie. And I was like, sir, get that franchise name out of your mouth until you direct Dune 2 and 3. Please, Denise, please, please. All right. So we're in the pop culture section. I'm allowed to talk about movies. Um, I'm so weirdly defensive about that still. I need to stop. And also, going to get to your messages on Patreon. I have everything in a neat little document. If you were a type A person, you would just positively cream yourself seeing how organized I am right now. So just have that in your head while I talk the rest of this episode. So I was lucky enough. A24 uh, wrote me. They invited me to an early screening of a film called Lamb that you might have seen a very disturbing preview for. Maybe one of my favorite trailers of the year. Very disturbing trailer um, about this movie, again, called Lamb, takes place. I'm, I'm just going to read the summary of the, the movie for everyone so we're all on the same page. In rural Iceland, a childless couple discover a strange and unnatural newborn in their sheep barn. They decide to raise her as their own. But sinister forces are determined to return the creature to the wilderness that birthed her. So there's your little summary. And I have to say, 
So uh, mostly this is uh, a cast that uh, you might not know. The one person you might know is uh, Numi Rapace. I still don't know how to say her last name. Rapace? 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 I'm so sorry, Numi. She's just Numi to me. She's like Madonna. Um, If you saw Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, um, Numi's amazing. She is this actress who, she's that kind of actress who's able to indicate just with the expression on her face that she's experiencing a whirlwind of emotions, but it's never over the top. It's never too much. I wouldn't say it's restrained, but she, you know, she's a pro. She's very good at what she does. And she is used brilliantly in Lamb, which really it's, it's basically an Icelandic mythology. That's what it is. And as this summary gives away, I don't think this is a spoiler because they show it in the trailer this ch- I'm going to say child-free couple, okay? Not childless couple. Child-free couple. Although they have experienced a lot of trauma, obviously they wanted to have a baby, and uh, she had a, a series of miscarriages. Um, I think a series, maybe just one. But they want a baby. And one day, she takes a little lamb who was newly birthed in their barn, and they begin to raise this lamb as their child. Okay. Now, what happens through the course of the film is we experience reality through their eyes. So you see this lamb become a human baby, but it never quite get it doesn't quite get there. So it is a human lamb hybrid baby. Now, if that sounds horrifying to you, guess what it is? It is. I've never heard an audience react the way they did than when they first reveal. I, I believe her name is Ada, the little the baby lamb. I think she's very cute, but there is some primal reaction that humans have seeing something. It's almost like the uncanny valley thing, you know, something that's almost human, but not quite human is very disturbing to human beings. And to hear, uh, again, a room full of adults lose their minds the first time they see the little sheep baby is was really a treat and um you know what can i say it's directed by vladimir uh johansson it's beautiful it's a very quiet um slow film in the beginning but man there are a bunch of payoffs in it i highly recommend it if you're into horror films it's a disturbing one. I'm not going to lie. It's a little challenging, but I really, really enjoyed it. I was glad I got to see it. I also, speaking, staying in the, the lane of disturbing, but ultimately very good. Y'all fucking around with Squid Game? Have you seen Squid Game on Netflix? I, you know what I'm talking about. The number one movie of all time or whatever crazy thing Netflix is claiming You can't see any of our numbers, but it's the number one film that's ever been seen by humans on Earth. Okay, I guess. Yeah, all right, fine, fine. Stop yelling at me. I believe you, Netflix. This thing is an international phenomenon. You know, obviously, it's doing very well in Korea, but here in the United States, it's huge. It's huge. I can't believe how big Squid Game is. Uh, If you're not familiar, again, Squid Game is on Netflix. It is a film about hundreds of cash-strapped contestants who accept an invitation to compete in children's games for a tempting prize, but 
guess what, everybody? The stakes are deadly. Now, if that sounds very derivative, because uh, we in the United States like to consume a lot of post-apocalyptic, dystopian, young adult fiction, and if that description sounded a little derivative to you, it sounded a little derivative to me, too. And I was like, oh, God, another one of these? But guess what? It's all about the execution, baby. It's visually stunning. The cast is amazing. The story is amazing. If you think you know what it's about, you don't. Guess what? You don't. It's so good. It's addictive. I watched the whole thing in one sitting. I'm nuts about it. I'm nuts about it. I hope they don't remake it. Uh, I hope they don't Americanize it. I hope people just share this version, the Korean version. Learn to read subtitles, people. It's not that difficult. Remember when Bong Joon-ho yelled at everybody? It was like, come on. If you learn to read subtitles, it becomes second nature when you watch these films. And then you open up a whole world of film possibilities to yourself. Because you can watch any film now that has been translated and has subtitles. How exciting is that? I never, and listen, I understand for some people they need to listen to the dubbed version of films because, you know, there's, there's a lot of challenge with reading sometimes. I totally understand that. I'm talking about people who don't have a challenging time reading subtitles. Why would you ever opt for the dubbed version? I want to hear how the actor in the original language was saying the lines. It takes me out of it otherwise. No, thank you. So I highly recommend Squid Game. Oh, and I wanted to shout out, oh no, do I not have it in my amazing document? I wanted to shout out someone specifically who had one of my Patreon supporters wrote in specifically recommended Squid Game. And I'm so sorry I'm spacing on your name now. But guess what? You nailed that recommendation. I was into it. I will say, and this is a disclaimer, it's very violent. So if you are squeamish, if that's a trigger for you, FYI. Should I have given a trigger warning for lamb for a sheep baby hybrid? If that is your trigger, don't watch lamb. Because I keep using the word sheep and lamb interchangeably. And I don't know if that's technically correct. But whatever. I just got tired of saying lamb so much that I was like, I'm going to throw, I'm going to pepper in some sheep into this monologue. But that not, might not be technically correct. And I know some of you live on farms. And I know you're like shaking your fist at the screen right now because I'm saying incorrect things. And I want you to know from the bottom of my heart, I don't care. Okay? I don't care if I'm fucking it up. I don't care if it's a lamb and not a sheep. I throw around those words loosey-goosey because guess what? I'm a city mouse and I don't care about your farm terms. All right? So I just want you to know that. I also have another recommendation. And oh boy, did this. I was so glad I saw this. And here's why. I don't know if you know this, but we're uh, in a pandemic currently. And as such, society has basically shut down for two years. And a result of that has been I personally, Alison Kilkenny, have not been able to go to the movies, which is a fucking national tragedy. I don't know why Dr. Fauci hasn't listed that in, you know, the pantheon of tragedies that have befallen us during this pandemic, but that is up there, okay? I, Alison Kilkenny, have not been able to go to the movies for two years. Travesty, right? 
So I've recently started going back to the movies, as is indicated by uh, the recommendations for the past few weeks. I'm starting to dabble and going to the movies again. And but I've been seeing small films. And that is, you know, partly because those are my tastes, right? <laughs> I, I like to see a lot of weird shit that a lot of people aren't into. But also, it's a little bit of a strategy, right? I wasn't comfortable enough to go see like a huge blockbuster shoulder to shoulder with a bunch of strangers during a pandemic, even though I am double vaxxed and I got my flu shot too. So some might say I'm triple vaxxed. Go get your flu shot. So I've been avoiding bigger movies through caution to the wind recently because Venom came out. Now, listen. Venom is a very divisive film. If if you saw the first one, people were not in the, in the gray with the first Venom. People ran real hot or real cold. I was one of the real hot ones for the following reason. Venom is stupid, okay? Unapologetically stupid. But it knows what it is and it embraces it with its entire little symbiote heart, okay? Tom Hardy was in a different film than everyone. In the first film, it was almost as though Tom Hardy knew what the joke was and nobody else did. Everybody else was good. I mean, Michelle Williams, my God. she I think it is physically impossible for her to be bad in anything. She's great, but, you know, that character is a little weak, uh, weakly written. And, again, Tom Hardy was in a different movie than everyone else. He knew from the jump he was in a romantic comedy. Nobody else really knew that. So the first movie was wildly entertaining, but the tone was just so strange. There's a scene in the first movie where Tom Hardy jumps into a lobster tank where I was literally like, I don't know why the studio greenlit this, but thank God they did. Because here's the thing. You all know that I'm a huge Marvel fan. I mean, I am a full Marvel zombie, right? That takes on a new significance after what if, but I digress. Full Marvel zombie. But here's the thing about Marvel. It is a factory. And by that, I mean they have very strict guidelines about how their films should look upon output. And if you deviate from that, you're going to get a call from Kevin Feige, you know? And that's not to say, I mean, the, I, I think the films are, are great for the most part, but they all have a similar look, similar shape, similar feel because they're all part of the same universe. They are designed to be matchy, matchy, matchy. Venom is so great because it doesn't match. It's so deeply weird, so deeply stupid in the funnest way possible. Everybody is just at an 11 on the scale of acting. So let's talk about Venom Let There Be Carnage. This is the second Venom film. My God. I just wanted to have been in the meeting where they were like, who can we get who can go bigger than Tom Hardy? And they were like, stop what you're saying right now. Where is Woody Harrelson? We need to get him immediately. I don't care whatever like weird hemp ritual he's in the middle of right now. Rip the bongo drum out of his hands and get him in front of a camera in the dumbest wig we can find. Thank God they did that. This movie is directed by Andy Serkis. 
Gollum directed this movie, everybody. And it shows because it's fucking weird. It's so weird. It is a full love story. I'm not even going to say romantic comedy. It is a romantic comedy, but it is also a love story. Full stop. Between Venom and Eddie. I mean, there's a scene where, and again, I don't think this is a spoiler, but you can always skip ahead to the music cue if you're very much like Allison. Don't tell me anything about the plot of Venom Let There Be Carnage. I don't think I'm capable of ruining this film for anyone. I'm so hot. I'm going to take off my hoodie right now. I'm worked up. Again, I don't think I'm capable of ruining this film because what its essence is unruinable. There's a scene in this movie where Venom has gone off into the world on his own. He has abandoned Eddie. It's very sad. They broke up. They broke up. The first half an hour of this film is watching an old married couple argue. And then they break up. Traumatizing for me. And Venom goes out into the world on his own to, to discover who he is. And where does he find himself? At a pride rave. That's right. The straightest rave you'll ever see. The straightest gay rave you'll ever see in your life. I only found out later on that was supposed to be a gay rave. And I was like, that was the tamest gay rave I've ever seen. There were a lot of straight people that gay rave. But anyway, he's apparently at Pride. And he comes out and everybody claps for him. And they're so supportive. And it's such a lovely moment. At one point, Woody Harrelson, Carnage, in this film, says, quote, let there be carnage. And guess what? That's not the dumbest moment. It's not the dumbest moment. There's a flashback in this movie where we see little baby carnage with his love shriek. And they're, they're both little babies. And they don't use a child's voice for baby carnage. They use Woody Harrelson's voice. Why? To be stupid. Because everybody, unlike the first film, is on the same page with Venom Let There Be Carnage. Everybody caught up to Tom Hardy. They now understand what the tone is. And the tone is fucking stupid, but with a good heart. So dumb. Good heart. Pure soul. Little baby symbiote. Eddie and Venom are both rejects from their planets. Oh my God, they're soulmates. That's the movie. Oh, and they finally understood it. They finally understood it. And it was a good fucking time. I have not been in a, I'll say pretty crowded, not sold out, but pretty crowded theater in two years. And just to hear people guffawing, laughing, and having the best time, genuinely having a good time, was so wonderful. Venom Let There Be Carnage was exactly as dumb as I needed it to be. And for that, I thank them. Here's why I'm a little nervous. And this actually is a spoiler. If you have not seen Venom Let There Be Carnage, there is a moment after the credits. I'm speaking very slowly right now because I'm giving you time to skip ahead to the music cue for the bad news section. If you don't want to hear any spoiler about the uh, the teaser at the end of this. so. You know, there was a big to-do 
I, I think most people who follow the MCU knew what the big reveal was going to be. But on the off chance you don't follow MCU news and you want to be genuinely surprised about what's coming next for the MCU, again, skip all of this. Preface, preface, preface. So at the end of the credits, it is revealed. Again, Venom means well. He was just trying to show Eddie a little bit of the hive mind that he and the other symbiotes experienced together. Uh, symbi- symbiotes, symbiotes, I say symbiotes. Um, are creatures that share a memory. Um, And Eddie doesn't know anything about Venom's past or his memories. And again, Venom, and he says this explicitly in the movie, is in love with Eddie and wants to share his memories with him. Beautiful, right? But poor Venom. Venom doesn't understand how powerful he is. And when he tries to share his memories with Eddie, boom, they travel to another universe. And guess who lives in this universe? Uh-oh, Eddie sits up in bed and there's a news story on the TV about guess who? Spider-Man, that's right. Venom is in the MCU. Or, or Spider-Man is in Sony World, but I don't think that would ever happen. I think Venom is in MCU. Um, my only fear, I'm jazzed. I'm so excited. I was so excited along with everybody else. Again, a room full of adults losing their minds that Venom and Spider-Man <laughs> are going to meet up at some point. Couldn't be more excited. Here's my concern. Everything that I just talked about, Venom having its own special tone, being very unique among comic book films, a little more violent, a lot more weird than MCU films. I'm worried that now that all has to be discarded because it doesn't fit Kevin Feige's vision. And then Venom won't be Venom anymore. And that makes me sad. Hopefully that won't be true, that they'll find like a balance between the tones. But it makes me a little sad because, again, as much as I love the MCU, I am excited about other big swings. It's the reason I'm excited about Dune. It's the reason I was excited about Venom. I really, really like people swinging for the fences. And the MCU does that in their own limited way, but they have the formula. And you can always predict the parameters of the formula. They'll only go up to a point with everything, and then they got to reel it back in because this is Disney. And they need a lot of kids to, to watch their stuff. So they can only do so much. So that's why I always root for the other franchises who are maybe like... I don't like using the word adult because I think that's insulting because a lot of adults like the MCU. I like the MCU, but just different, weird, fucking weird, man. Get weird with it. I'm hoping the Eternals will get weird, but who knows? Um, So yeah, I I cannot recommend highly enough Venom Let There Be Carnage. As long as you go into it thinking I am going to watch a very, very dumb, fun, sweet movie because that's what it is. It's lovely and dumb. And uh, don't we all need something lovely and dumb right now? Boy, boy, do we. Oh, another thing. And then I I swear I'll move on. They very casually just introduced mutants to granted, granted, a Sony film, but straddling the border of Marvel Entertainment, they just introduced Shriek. Naomi Harris, incredible actress. I wish she had had more to do in this film. But I genuinely enjoyed the romance between Shriek and Carnage. I thought it was, again, very sweet, a very, like, pure motive for Carnage, right? All he wants to do 
is get out of prison and marry his sweetheart. Uh, Perfect. Perfect motivation. I don't need any more. Shut the fuck up. Let everybody do their thing, right? They just casually drop that Shriek is a mutant. We, We don't have mutants yet in this universe. Everybody's waiting with bated breath for the crossover between X-Men and um, the Avengers or whatever incarnation of the Avengers we have left. Everybody is dying for that crossover, but we never had like a grand introduction (laughs) and they just dropped Shriek in this movie. Did anyone else think that was weird? I mean, in a cool way, but we don't ever have a moment. Like people aren't like, she's a what? We have mutants now? That's different. That's different than the other superheroes we've had. I don't know. I thought it was interesting. Let's say that. Hashtag light trees and pod. Listen, and I mean this, you can tweet me anytime, day or night, about whatever dumb comic book shit you want. As long as there's no spoilers, because your girl hates spoilers. But uh, I'm always down to talk about this stuff. Did you think it was weird? Shriek? I don't know. All right, let me just throw in a book recommendation here so y'all know I'm literate. Uh, I am currently, or I just finished Cast by Isabel Wilkerson. Great book. Um, It is about caste in the United States. We always think, when we hear the word caste, we tend to think about India. But in her nonfiction book, Isabel Wilkerson, who's an excellent journalist and writer in general, has won a bunch of awards for writing because she writes beautifully. She makes the argument that we have a caste system in the United States and black people are at the bottom of that caste and she supports that argument with a ton of evidence and also really interesting like anecdotal stories that are usually not treated seriously by the scholarly types but are really evocative and interesting and beautiful and as you read it you're like I see why you won the Pulitzer Prize because <laughs> she is fucking brilliant and it's a really powerful sad moving and in a lot of ways hopeful book. And I highly recommend it, especially uh, during these times. And when I say these times, I mean racism, which is all the time in the United States. Don't know why I phrased it that way. Anyway, I recommend the book Cast, C-A-S-T-E by Isabel Wilkerson. Da-damn, can the lady write. And then finally, let's end with Catholic guilt, everybody, as I like to end all things. Midnight Mass, again on Netflix. They should sponsor me. They won't, but they should. Uh, Another great, great horror series by Mike Flanagan, who I like to give a little bit of shit to just because, I don't know, he, he has such a specific style that I really, I like, but I, you know, I was watching it and I was like, what about this kind of puts me off a little bit. And I realized that in every Mike Flanagan vehicle, he's the one who did um, The Haunting of Hill House and the other one I didn't like. Um, I forget the name of it. But um, yeah, he, you know, what he does uh, is very specific and he does it very well. Um, but all of his characters talk in these like extended monologues, kind of what I'm doing right here on on this episode. But these really, really like eloquent, beautiful monologues, you know, nothing that would ever actually come out of the mouth of a human being because nobody's that smart. But they're beautiful and it's like captivating to listen to and to watch. But I realized what put me off about it is I'm friends with a bunch of comedians who would never, never 
let you talk that long uninterrupted. Ever. Ever. Oh my God. They would cut you off a million times with a bit, with an anecdote unrelated about themselves. Just change the topic entirely. And I can, I can just tell that Mike Flanagan doesn't hang out with a lot of comics because I was like, damn, if you think somebody could get off a monologue this long in the presence of anyone who's not a Mike Flanagan character, you're sorely mistaken. So Midnight Mass on Netflix is about the arrival of a charismatic priest mm, who brings miracles, mysteries, and renewed religious fervor to a dying town. And I just got to give it up for my man, Hamish Linklater, 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 Hamish Linklater. What a performance. He is the priest. Man, this show really uh, lives or dies depending on his performance. And it lives, baby, it lives. It's, again, it's a very weird series. Uh, A lot of, uh, if you were raised Catholic, as I know Mike Flanagan was, you will, um, it will trigger you, let's say, and explore a lot of uh, our shared trauma, those of us who were raised specifically Irish, Roman Catholic. Hello, we're still dealing with it. And uh, yeah, the show is great. You'll probably recommend, you'll recognize Kate Siegel because she's in all of Mike Flanagan's um, works because she is his wife and she's also an incredible actress, um, a huge fan of Kate Siegel. And Zach Guilford, who was uh, in Friday Night Lights, um, Matt Saracen, he's wonderful in this. And guess what? The whole fucking cast is great uh, from, from top to bottom. And yeah, if you're a fan of Mike Flanagan, guess what? You'll probably like this because it's just a continuation of what I like to call the MFU, the Mike Flanagan universe. I don't call it that. I just called it that right now. But yeah, uh, highly recommended. Let me know if you've seen it. Hashtag Light Treason Pod. Okay, that's enough of recommendations. Let's get to your Patreon comments. Amy. Amy writes in, just started listening to this week's episode. Hot tip for pulling cats. For pulling cats? Amy, what? Oh, I see. This is, okay. Do you guys remember last week when I was saying that Desi out of nowhere is smart and now knows I'm trying to sneak his treats in uh, his food and he would not eat his food or his treats when I tried to hide the, the medicine in it? Well, lo and behold, I bought pill pockets and those work. I fooled him. He's an idiot again. So Amy's writing in in regards to that. If you wake up Desi from a nap, first of all, Amy, that's your first mistake, okay? Wake Desi up from a nap, he'll throw a fit. All right, so I've woken him up from a nap. To offer the pill pocket and pill to him, he'll eat it without a second thought. Oh, I think you meant hot tip for pilling cats? Amy, you said pulling cats. What the fuck does that mean? Amy, are you pulling cats? I don't think you should. I don't think it's legal. I hope you're not. This works even with cats that will normally reject a pill pocket. Well, guess what, Amy? I don't have to wake Desi up from one of his sacred naps. He's stupid again. And I can do it first thing in the morning. He gets his pill. My cat's on Prozac. I don't want to talk about it. Just kidding. I talked about it for like 20 minutes, I think last week on the show. 
he has OCD. I have OCD. It's weird. Is it weird that I have matching mental illness with my cat? Yes. Okay. I don't know how or why it happened, but God works in mysterious ways. All right. He, he was like, this cat needs, I guess, uh, an owner who matches him mental illness wise. Put him with her. And now I have Desi and he's mentally ill. So I have to give him Prozac. So that is why I'm, I'm using pill pockets. It's a success, Amy. I hope you're not pulling cats. Okay. If you are, you should stop now. Chelsea writes in. Hi, Chelsea. Not sure if this qualifies as interesting. Stop right there. I bet it does. Anybody who's self-deprecating, inevitably it turns out to be great. I finally convinced my landlord to let me have a pet in my apartment. Fuck yeah, Chelsea. I rescued a little gray kitten and named him Frankie. His name is Frankie. He's been with me a week and he's fully codependent. My social anxiety has gotten way worse since the pandemic. Relate, Chelsea. Relate. Um, and I think having him is going to help me cope at least a little better. Awesome. Chelsea, I told you it was interesting. So glad you got Frankie. I'm so glad your landlord's not being a dick about the whole thing. And usually landlords, this has happened to me a bunch. If I go to see a listing and it says no pets and I'm like, listen, I have one cat and he's very dumb. And all he does is sleep all day. Usually landlords are like, oh, it's a cat. That's fine. When they say no pets, they mean like a huge ass dog or really any dog. Landlords don't like dogs because dogs sometimes mean property damage. Cats, cats are just like, like a lamp. It's like if I had to go to a landlord and I was like, listen, I have a lamp. Is that okay? They're like, oh, does the lamp sleep all day? And I'm like, yeah, just sits on a desk and provides light when I need it to. They'd be like, all right, that's fine. It doesn't shed, does it? And I'm like, it's a lamp. Jay writes in, I'd like to give you a spooky recommendation. Again, I can't emphasize this enough. We are in the spookiest month of the year. Halloween approaches. I want your ghost stories and spooky recommendations. Send them to me now. Jay, thank you. Jay writes, I'd like to give a spooky recommendation. Never hike alone. It's a fan-made Friday the 13th short that's available on YouTube. Oh, YouTube for the people. It's honestly better than most of the sequels. Okay, Jay. Okay, that's Never Hike Alone on YouTube right now. I like that we didn't even get a plot summary. It's a mystery. Go check it out. All right, I am running wildly over right now. We got to get to some news items. But on that note, I will get to the rest of the Patreon messages. Fear not, they're coming. If you are a Patreon supporter of mine, which again, you can become for as little as $5 a month at patreon.com slash... Allison Kilkenny. It's just my name. It's so simple. You can sign up there, leave questions, comments, recommendations in the uh, the thread. You'll see other people leaving recommendations. And that's how you get them read on the show. It's very simple. Or if you just want to go to lighttreason.news, you can smash the donate button over there. You don't have to send me anything. Well, I guess really you never have to send me anything. But I appreciate it, and I like hearing from you all. And yeah, like Chelsea was a great example. That little comment that Chelsea left, perfect, interesting life update 
Frankie, welcome to the family. And on that note, everybody, here's your bad. Oh, no, I guess I shouldn't say Frankie and then bad news. On the, the note of landlords, here's your bad news. Boy, this is like an ever bad news item. Let's talk about Facebook. I'm now one of these high and mighty righteous types because I have deleted Facebook where I'm like, well, 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 anytime they're back in the news, like I'm not on Instagram, like I'm not on Twitter, like those two social media platforms aren't also destroying the world. But I guess it would be hard to destroy the world at the level Facebook is destroying the world. So guess what? I'm feeling pretty self-righteous because if you missed it, a former Facebook product manager named Francis Haugen, uh, who worked on civic integrity issues at the company, faced questions recently from the Commerce Subcommittee about what Facebook owned Instagram, fuck, fuck, all right, I'm guilty again knew about its effects on young users, among other issues. So there's been a lot of talk about like how Instagram, I mean, all social media is changing the way we think, but Instagram in particular, I think in this very specific way, is altering the human brain at like an alarming rate in terms of like constantly consuming images and releasing serotonin when people like your images and fucking up people's, um, or I should say fucking with people's body issues because, you know, everything that goes up on Instagram is if you're a celebrity, they use like filters and they airbrush you and you don't look real. (laughs) But if you're like a 12 year old girl or boy looking at that, you, you think it's real and you think, oh, I'll never look that way. Anyway, it like, it's fucking kids up. So Haugen, Hogan, Haugen had to go before the subcommittee and basically (laughs) revealed that Facebook products harm children. This is a quote, harm children, stoke division and weaken our democracy. End quote. But other than that, they're great. They're great. They're just killing our children and our democracy. But other than that, two thumbs up. She called on Congress to take action to prevent harm caused by the social media company, including amending Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. She said Facebook should declare moral bankruptcy and ask for help from Congress. Damn. Haugen testified that understaffing contributes to Facebook's struggle to tackle problems and that artificial intelligence programs only catch a very tiny minority, quote, of offending content. This is a big thing we've heard from Facebook moderators, the poor, poor souls who have to like go into a QAnon group and see what those weirdos are talking about. They just can't keep up. There's not enough of them. There's so much content just on Facebook. This small group of people, there's no way they can police it. Um, She said that the company's research reveals kids believe they are struggling with issues like body image and bullying alone because their parents can't guide them. She said, I'm saddest when I look on Twitter and people blame the parents for these problems with Facebook. They say, just take your kid's phone away. 
But the reality is that it's a lot more complicated than that. She emphasized how parents are facing a new set of challenges that didn't exist when they were growing up. Right. There's no handbook for this. Nobody knew Instagram was coming or Facebook was coming. And if you're a parent, unless you're one of these parents who's like no screens ever, which seems insane and actually maybe bad for your kid because your kid has to learn how to navigate technology for like their future and their job, um, future job. How do you deal with it? Like what, what's a healthy amount of Instagram time? I don't know. Um, unless you keep them off Instagram, which good luck. Um, Senator Amy Klobuchar, who's a Democrat from Minnesota, asked Hogan if the company is using its algorithm to push outrageous content and promoting eating disorders to young girls. She said that Facebook knows it is leading young users to content related to eating disorders. And they know this because they've done like internal studies where a bunch of people who work for Facebook and Instagram were like, hey, so within two clicks, I can get to an eating disorder community or I can get to like an insane conspiracy theory message board with like two quick clicks from like, I click on a Fox News article and then one other article and then all of a sudden there's QAnon news in my feed. That's how easy it's happening. Um, so Hogan also said she has strong national security concerns about how Facebook operates. Democratic Senator Richard Bl Blumenthal, who chairs the Senate Commerce Subcommittee on Consumer Protection, suggested that these national security concerns could be the subject of a future subcommittee hearing. It's one subcommittee hearing after another and nothing ever gets fixed. And that's what democracy is. So yeah, a, a very revealing testimony from uh, Haugen about the internal workings of Facebook slash Instagram. Not surprising, you know, um, I, uh, very smart people work for Instagram and Facebook. They know how this technology is being used, which is P.S. why a lot of engineers from Facebook and Instagram do not let their children use those social media platforms because they know. They know what can happen. They know it's unhealthy. Even if you don't go to an eating disorder message board or follow an eating disorder account or follow like uh, a model who has like very unrealistic body images um, on their, their on main, if you will, even if you don't do that, just the repetitiveness of constantly swiping and consuming images like that will fuck with your brain. If you doubt that's true, just stay off your phone and the internet. Your, so no internet, no laptop, no phone for 24 hours. Just 24 hours. And then go back to it. You can feel your brain switch gears. <laughs> like It is a really strange feeling. It happens to me anytime I'm like out in nature for an entire day. And then I come home and I'm like hunched over my laptop and I'm like, I feel weird. You feel weird because... Technology is evolving at a much faster rate than the human brain. And our little brains are just fried from all of this. And now everybody has fucked up body issues. We're all fighting all the time. Um, not to say that we shouldn't fight. Sometimes we're like fighting Nazis and that's good. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm very glad I'm child free because I wouldn't want to make that call. But definitely don't let them like be on Instagram all day. That sucks.
Okay, next. Uh-oh, should we talk about the Pandora Papers? Maybe this is just like a niche interest of mine because I used to, when I was a journalist back in the day, was corporate tax dodging and anti-corporate tax dodging groups like U.S. Uncut. This has been an issue for a while. So recently, the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists, also known as ICIJ, on Sunday, to be precise, released the Pandora Papers, an expose of the financial secrets and offshore dealings of dozens of heads of state, public officials, and politicians from 91 countries and territories. So this was an effort by more than 600 journalists from 150 outlets. They spent two years investigating nearly 12 million confidential files. That is a bigger cache of documents than 2016's Panama Papers, which you might have also heard about. So the Pandora Papers reveal how unusual offshore finances and secretive wealth have infiltrated global politics. Surprise, surprise. Some of the people named in the papers are major political leaders in developing or impoverished countries such as Jordan and Kenya. So basically, these papers reveal that there's like a parallel second economy for the wealthy and well-connected. Um, And this includes uh, the Pakistani Prime Minister, Imran Khan. I'm just going through the list right now. The Jordanian King Abdullah II. Um, The Kenyan President, Uhuru Kenyatta. Big, big leaders. The Czech Prime Minister. uh, The ex-British Prime Minister, Tony Blair. Um, And it goes on and on and on. Again, perhaps not... A huge surprise to those of us who follow stories like this. It's like, yeah, the wealthy uh, tax dodge all the time. Um, But this is really significant because, as it says in the the summary of this report, these are leaders of impoverished countries or developing countries. And uh, their people that they are ostensibly representing and fighting for need help, financial help. And meanwhile, the heads of state are hoarding their wealth and um, doing shady things to avoid being taxed. And taxes are everybody paying their fair share uh, to sustain the country they live in. It's everybody chipping in, right? It's, It's supposedly what makes a good democracy a good democracy. We all chip in together. Except the uber-rich don't do that, which is ironic because they are the ones who can spare the most and still remain in comfort, you know, in in wealthy status. They could stand to be taxed at higher rates and they refuse to even be taxed at minimal rates. They basically don't want to live in a society with everybody else. Um, But they also, at least in the case of uh, the United States, benefit from the state enormously. You know, huge companies like Walmart and Apple um, are subsidized by the government. In Walmart's case, they're, they pay their employees so little that a lot of their employees have to rely on state aid, like food stamps and other kinds of support from the state like that. So that means you and I pay taxes that go to help poor people because Walmart doesn't pay a living wage. So again, it's state-subsidized capitalism. 
Um, and it's bullshit. So if you haven't checked out the the Pandora Papers, go at least skim them. It's very revealing and great work from these journalists. So congratulations to them. On that note, everybody, that's enough of the bad. Let's end on the good. Here's your good news. Ah, yes. I had forgotten what good news stories I put up for today's episode and I just saw this one have a big smile on my face let's all hold hands and dance in a celebratory circle as we mark the fall of someone we don't like the president of the New York Police Department's second largest union resigned Tuesday night after the FBI searched his home and the union's headquarters earlier in the day the executive board of the Sergeant's Benevolent Association asked Ed Mullins to resign as president in the wake of the searches, citing the severity of this matter and the uncertainty of its outcome. So if you're wondering what Ed did, oh, Ed was very bad. He took a lot of um, these SBA, Sergeant's Benevolent Association, funds and allegedly was Using them for all kinds of dalliances. Edward, how could you? So, yeah, it's a, it's a happy moment because, um, you know, the, the Sergeant's Benevolent Association, uh, the Police Officer's Benevolent Association, maybe it's just Police Benevolent Association, whatever. They have consistently been the ones who come out and try to defeat any kind of measure to... Co- keep police power in check. So ha 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 ha. Uh very funny to me. Um and oh yeah, uh Mayor Bill de Blasio came out, confirmed the raid of the SBA's headquarters uh in Lower Manhattan at a news conference. And a source confirmed the FBI also raided an address in Port Washington, New York, according to public records, that home belongs to Mullins. So all kinds of raids going on. And again, let us hold hands and laugh and laugh and laugh. And finally, I have to put this button on this story that we've been following. It feels like forever, but I'm sure maybe it's a few months. Um, Britney Spears, her conservatorship has been lifted. Britney is free, and she recently thanked her fans because, you know, I I would never claim to be one of the people who was on top of this story from the beginning. Her fans are really, really diehard and have been, you know, waging the Free Britney campaign for, it feels like, years, probably because it has been years. And she made the comments on Twitter following the court ruling that suspended her father as the controller of her business affairs and set a November date to consider whether to terminate the 13-year-long legal arrangement entirely. Uh, But a lot of people think that will happen. Hopefully that will happen. 
So she wrote, I have no words because of you guys and your constant resilience in freeing me from my conservatorship. My life is now in that direction. I cried last night for two hours because my fans are the best and I know it. Um, I feel your hearts and you feel mine. That much I know is true. Very sweet. Um, very happy for her. I hope they completely terminate the conservatorship. What fascinated me about this story was obviously it's it's so creepy how the state can steal personhood from a person that is deemed like unstable, quote unquote. Um, and again, what what bothers me about the Britney Spears thing, because you know, she posts on Instagram a lot, and some people have suggested that her Instagram posts are like weird or she seems like I don't know. People are making a lot of assumptions based on social media, which is always a mistake, right? We don't know a person's life. We don't know what's in their hearts, their minds, you know. Um, I hope Brittany's happy. I hope if Brittany needs help, she finds help from people who are not motivated by stealing her money, which this conservatorship pretty obviously was. I mean, her father was paying himself a ridiculous salary. Um, you know, I, I'll never forget there was an expert on. Uh, conservatorships on one of these documentaries that recently came out who said, I've never seen someone in a conservatorship who has a job. And not only did Britney Spears have a job, she was busting her ass in her Vegas show, in other shows. She works really, really hard and she choreographs her own show. Like she's clearly, she's clearly coherent and stable and responsible enough to do these lavish productions. But you're telling me she can't like go out with her boyfriend when she wants to go out. She can't get off birth control if she wants to get off birth control. Oh, you don't want her to get off birth control because she'll get pregnant and then she can't go make you money. That's what you want. Because one of the updates to this story is that she has said, I believe, that she doesn't want to perform anymore. And some people were very upset by that. But that's what being autonomous looks like. If she decides she never wants to perform again, that's her right. I would not blame her. I would not blame her. She ha she's 39 and she has been performing since she was a child. If she wants to walk off into the sunset and never perform again, that is her right. Well earned. But um yeah, I I would never claim that someone I don't know doesn't have mental illness. You know what I mean? But just because you're mentally ill doesn't mean the state should be able to strip you of your rights. Because if that's a wild standard to set, because most people have some kind of mental illness. So again, just because you're mentally ill doesn't mean you need to be put in a conservatorship for decades. Um, because you can't be trusted to make your own decisions. And mind you, her whole public meltdown followed years of the press torturing her. Like if you've never seen footage of paparazzi chasing Britney Spears, it is frightening. And that was her reality 24-7 for most of her adult life. Anybody would have had moments under that amount of stress. And it's wild that not just one judge, a series of judges thought she should be put in a conservatorship 
because she had a meltdown after being treated like this and didn't want her kids to be taken away from her. So she walked into a bathroom with one of them and said she wasn't coming out. And for that quote unquote crime, they stole her life. Wild. And what I hope comes out of all of this is a, a longer memory. You know, when it, when it, whoever the next starlet is who's coming up right now as we speak or might be here right now, I don't know. Um, we don't chase them and torture them. And when Brittany wants to go out in public with her boyfriend, that paparazzi don't chase her in really frightening ways um, in their in their cars and potentially causing an accident. I hope that we have a long memory about this. and. We just remember how we all participated in a culture where this poor woman had a mental breakdown because we were just nitpicking everything she did for our amusement. And I hope we don't treat starlets, pop stars, actresses, actors as like sacrificial lambs. I brought it back to lambs. You like that? Full circle moment, baby. All right, everybody, that's it for today. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your weekend. Follow us on all the social medias, Light Trees and Pod, on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Light Trees and News at Gmail if you want to email. I very rarely check it, but go for it. And my Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. That's how you support the show. That's why you never hear any commercials. That's how I've been able to talk into your little ears all of these years. Sorry I rhymed. Because of your support, which is pretty awesome. So I thank you. And as I said, have a wonderful rest of your weekend. And while you're at it, if you're double vaxxed, get out there and cause a little trouble. <laughs>